Thank you, V. Good morning, Mercy House. He is risen. Okay, thank you, studio audience, uh, for that. But uh, I know you at home, hopefully you said it back to me, and uh, why don't you just put that in the Facebook uh, messaging there and uh, let everyone else know that He is risen uh, indeed. Uh, I want to welcome you, Mercy House. I also want to welcome some extended Mercy House family. I know even this morning we had uh, somebody from Dubai who was uh, an alumni uh, who was joining in. So, Rami, thanks for checking in this morning. Um, but others that are extended Mercy House family, we're so glad that you get to experience uh, Easter Sunday with us. But also, many others, I know that uh, maybe you're just kind of checking in on this. Uh, maybe you haven't even been in a church before. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, this is the biggest Sunday of the year, if you didn't know that. Uh, we're celebrating the thing that is the foundation of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really the resurrection of Jesus Christ answers every important question. I'm serious. Like if we were to ask, how do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? Answer, the resurrection. Uh, how do we know that the death that Jesus died on Good Friday actually pays for sin? Answer, the resurrection. Uh, how do we know if death is actually defeated and that eternal life is real? Answer, resurrection. How do we know that Jesus is going to return and make all things new? Answer. Yeah, you're, you're starting to get it, right? Uh, the answer is the resurrection. I mean, nine times out of ten, the answer is the resurrection of Jesus. And that includes the question, how can I know that I can have a real relationship with God in the year 2020? In the year where we're going through some incredibly difficult times, in the middle of a global pandemic, how can I know that I can know Jesus, not just on Sunday during a religious service, but Monday to Saturday? And the answer is the resurrection. And so we're looking at Luke 24 that you just heard uh, read from the scriptures, and I'm hoping that you're opening up your Bibles or you're opening up your phone uh, if, if you don't know where to find the Bible on your phone, you can go to BibleGateway.com and look up the ESV version, which is what I'm using uh, this morning. But Luke, Luke 24 gives us uh, some unique content that, that we don't see in the other three Gospels. And uh, namely, this is known as the Walk to Emmaus. And Emmaus is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Let's say it's about a two-hour walk. Um, the people who are making this walk are not a part of the original 12 disciples. It's some guy named Cleopas and another unnamed disciple who may or may not be his, his wife. And they don't have cell phones, so they're actually talking to each other. Um, and some mystery guy walks up and joins them on their walk back home. And he asks what seems like a simple question. What are you talking about? Uh, I know when I walk up to someone who a couple of people that are talking and I ask, what are you talking about? I'm either saying, I'd like to get in on this conversation, I'd like to talk too, or I overheard the topic and I'm interested in the topic. But either way, Jesus is just unassumingly walking up and uh, saying, uh, what are you talking about? And so the, the, the mystery guy gets a strong response to his question. Uh, verse 18, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? The implication is everyone knows what's just happened at the crucifixion. And Jesus plays dumb. What, what's, 
I would think it would be hard for Jesus, but, but he does do it here. And he just asks a simple question. What, what things? And then they just start to gush out all that they've been experiencing. Perhaps you've been there too, where you've been in, in pain and confusion. And you don't even know you need to talk until someone asks you, how are you doing? And then it just all comes rolling out. And it seems like that's what happens here. You just heard this read, but I'll read it again. They said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But when we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened, Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So of those who were with us went to the tomb and, and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They're distraught. Again, you've been there. You've had something in your mind that you thought, this is God's will. This is going to happen uh, perhaps you were thinking, if you're a student, this, this uh, semester, I am going to walk across a stage and receive a degree in my hand. Or, or perhaps you were thinking, uh, I am going to be working my job Monday through Friday, week in and week out. This is God's will for my life. And yet here we are. It's, it's not happening. I, I, I experienced this last week as I was receiving the message uh, from the missionary on the ground at uh, the city that was going to host us for the city project, uh, telling me that it's canceled. And I just thought, two months ago, I'm thinking, this is the will of God, right? Like, this is good, it's godly, it's going to be a means of reaching an unengaged city with the gospel, and now it's not happening. Uh, these guys thought they knew what God's will was regarding Jesus. And while they're wringing their hands over their disappointment, God is right under their noses. The mystery guy gives them a gentle rebuke. Verse 25, he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Ouch. The mystery guy presses on them. He, he tells them they're foolish. He tells them they're unwilling or perhaps unable to rightly believe the events that they've just experienced over the weekend in Jerusalem. This would be a great time for a mystery guy to do the big reveal, right? This is like a moment where you want to be hiding in the shadows with your cell phone to get the reaction. And he does a reveal of sorts, but it's not in the way you might expect. Verse 25 again, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is the big reveal. A Bible study. A study of the entire Old Testament. He, he begins with the books of Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. Uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moves to the prophets. Like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah. Micah and others. And, and what's the point of this Bible-wide Bible study? The point is the Christ. He explains that the Christ, the coming Messiah, 
that's proclaimed in the scriptures of the Old Testament should suffer these things and enter into his glory. The God who is under their noses is revealing himself to Cleopas and his unnamed friend using the Bible. They get to Emmaus. This may be my favorite part. Jesus acts like he's going to continue walking on. And they, being good first century Jews, invite him to stay with them and have a meal. So we don't know all the details of them and how they experience coming into Cleopas' house. But they come into the house, meet whoever's there. They wash up for dinner. And then we would think, this is the time for the big reveal, right? Uh, This is, again, a time when you wish you had a cell phone, you're hiding in the corner, you're getting the reaction of the big moment. And again, the reveal is not what you might expect. They sit down, and the mystery guy begins to play host at a home that's not his own. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Does this sound familiar? Now, remember that earlier Luke told us in Verse 16, that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And after the mystery guy gives the bread to these disciples in verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. The resurrected Jesus is right under their noses. Now how is it that they see the risen Christ? How is it that they move from a a heart that's slow to believe to one that can see with the eyes of faith and and believe, uh, it's through the scripture and the sacrament. That taking of the bread, blessing it, breaking it, giving it to them. That's technical language for the institution of communion that points to the death of Christ. Once they, they see Jesus, they recognize him in the scripture and the sacrament, it starts to click. They say to one another in verse 32, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And then when they get back to the other 11 disciples and and they tell them uh, the report, it says in 35, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. One of the messages of the resurrection is that God is present right now in the year 2020. Uh, When we sing, uh, Christ has died, in the past tense, and then we sing, Christ is risen. We don't say he has risen, we say he is risen. And and it's because uh, because of the resurrection, Christ is present today. The risen Christ is present. But not only that, this risen Christ that is present, that is under our noses, so to speak, is revealing himself to people today. How's he doing that? Two major ways, the scripture and the sacraments. The same ways that are revealed here in Luke 24. This is one of the reasons why the Lord's Supper or communion is is so important to the local church, and it's incredibly important to, to our church here at Mercy House. We have seen God use the taking of the bread and the cup over and over and over to open our eyes to the reality of the risen Christ. In 2005, we, we started taking it every week, and, and we never looked back. And again, in part because we were recognizing Christ in fresh ways as we took the bread and we took the cup. And we long for that day to gather together. 
so that we can, again, take the bread and the cup. And really, we have the conviction that that's something that should be done in a gathered church uh, experience and not a virtual one. We, we also experience Christ through the Scripture. Uh, this is why we preach and teach Christ through the Bible every time. <laughs> every time. We want to, 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 to reveal Christ and the power of the Spirit through the Scriptures. We believe He's doing that both for the believer and for the unbeliever. That we are encountering Christ even now as we look at His Word together. That through the Spirit, we are encountering the risen Christ. So to the Christian, I would say, Jesus is risen. He's risen from the dead. And he's at work constantly opening your eyes to that reality. And He's using Scripture. And He's using the sacrament. If you're not yet a Christian, my message to you is, Jesus is risen. <laughs> And he is revealing himself through his scripture in the power of the Holy Spirit and doing that even now. And so I would encourage you to recognize him today and just move from that slow of heart place to a heart that is willing to believe in what Christ has done in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection and to receive that by faith this morning. And to both Christian and non-Christian, uh, I would say to join your life to a local church. This is, this is where you're going to experience the risen Christ through the scripture and the sacrament. So if, if you live close by to Mercy House, we hope that when we're, we're gathering in person that you will join us uh, and be a part of our church. But if you're watching from far away, if, if you're in Dubai or wherever, uh, I want to encourage you to join yourself to a local church there. Uh, to... Join yourself to a church that preaches Christ through the Bible every week. Because it is there that you will recognize again and again and again the risen Christ through His Word. So now we want to enter into a time of question and answer about the sermon, which we've been doing week in and week out for the last few weeks. And uh, I've got a couple of questions here that I think are natural questions that one might bring uh, to this text, but you can also uh, put questions in the Facebook uh, messaging as well, and we'd love to hear uh, from you, and we'll do our best to, to answer those questions here in a minute. But one is, how can you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Uh, we actually just had a workshop last Wednesday, and the Mercy House University team did an excellent job of giving us some evidences for the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to give you the, the, the thumbnail sketch of some of those uh, evidences. But one of those, just in general, is the preponderance of evidence for the resurrection and the lack of an alternative explanation for especially the early history of the church. As you think about what happened in the opening days of the church, and you try to explain that away, uh, that the resurrection never happened. It really doesn't make that much sense. So some of that evidence, um, we have uh, four independent accounts that attest to the resurrection. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, oftentimes people think about the Bible like it's a book, but really it's a collection of several books. And so we have these four independent uh, uh, attestations of the resurrection 
And honestly, the resurrection, I think it could be argued, it may be the, the most well-attested thing that's ever happened in the ancient world, uh, to have four independent accounts like that. Uh, number two, that, that the early followers of Jesus proclaimed that resurrection in the city of Jerusalem where those events happened during the time where eyewitnesses were living in that city. And so it wasn't like they went a thousand miles away and said, oh, in a land, land far away, there was a resurrection. No, they proclaimed that days later after the crucifixion in Jerusalem during the time where people uh, had been eyewitnesses to those events. And what was said on Wednesday night at this little workshop was that this would have been easily falsifiable because it was in the very location that the events happened and it was people that were eyewitnesses uh, to the uh, events. And then number three, the early followers went to their deaths believing the resurrection. And so you might say, well, people die for lies all the time, uh, but they don't die for lies that they know are lies. And so when we see many of these early followers saying, we saw him, we know he's resurrected, and do that, in danger of their own lives. It gives a lot of credence to uh, the belief that the resurrection is true. And so this is just the beginning of the evidence. And so if, if this is something that, that you're wrestling with, we would encourage you to explore that, even to reach out to us. We'd be happy to have ongoing conversation about the validity of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And if those things are true, then the implications of those things have to be wrestled with. That brings us to the second question, is okay, let's say these things are true, then what might an experience of the risen Christ look like today, in year 2020, through uh, His Word? So I've asked uh, a few of our own uh, Mercy Housers uh, to weigh in on this question and help me out. Hi, I'm Longhao and I have encountered risen Christ in the book of Ruth. This book told a romantic story between the young widow, Ruth, and a man called Boaz. I did not get the idea that Boaz is a redeemer for Ruth because the word Kingsman Redeemer is translated as closer relative in a Chinese Bible that I usually read. Recently, by reading the English translated Bible, my eyes were opened. I recognized the Redeemer role that Boaz played as a foreshadow to Jesus. Some evidence could also be found from the end of this book. The genealogy of David is given as Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Of course, from other places in Bible, we know that Jesus himself is descendant of David. Hello, my name is Xavier, and the question is, how do I find the risen Christ through the Bible? The Holy Spirit has opened my eyes to see and believe that Jesus Christ is King. He is Lord. It says in the Bible that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like everyone 
we'll see Jesus as king. And we also see the title kingdom that Jesus was going to usher in back in Isaiah chapter 11. Just complete harmony between all things. There's no strife um, and peace. And then we see Jesus actually ushering in that kingdom in his life here on earth, where he's doing miracles, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's, and then most of all, directing us back to a loving relationship with the Father. So he's a good king. Jesus Christ is king. We see the type of kingdom that he's ushering in, and we see him actually ushering it in. Um, and so that's one of the ways that I've encountered the risen king. <laughs> Look at that. The risen Christ <laughs> as king. That beats king. Hi, I'm Ashley, and I have encountered the risen Christ through the Bible. The first time I encountered him, I was a junior in college, and I was reading Luke 7, the story of the woman whose sins were forgiven. It was at that moment that I realized if I trust Jesus to be who he reveals himself to be in scripture, then my sins also would be forgiven, just like this woman. It was that day that I surrendered my life to Christ, and ever since then, I have been able to meet with him in his scripture over and over again. Every time we come to God's word, we have an opportunity to meet with the risen Christ. Jesus himself says that scriptures bear witness about him. And Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and active. Jesus is the word made flesh. Love those. Love how one is from an Old Testament scripture where they've seen Christ revealed uh, from Long Howe and then from Xavier, this overarching theme of seeing from beginning to end the revelation of Christ and Ashley's being some uh, personal encounter with Christ through a gospel where she actually sees Christ interacting with someone in scripture. That, that was one of the ways that Christ really first revealed himself to me was in the book of John. And I remember studying that in college, and um, really something just kind of shifted in me where I moved from uh, just reading these things as stories to where they were engaging my mind, but also my heart, and um, and just seeing him, you know, interacting with Nicodemus in John three, and and. and the Samaritan woman in John 4 and the man at the healing pool in John 5 and just over and over realizing that Jesus is, I'm, I'm encountering him. And so uh, when I read you know, these guys that their hearts were burning as the scripture was being revealed, I, I know exactly what they're talking about there. And uh, even this week, my own personal study in the, in the Gospel of Luke to prepare messages for the Holy Week um, over and over again, God, not only engaging my mind, but engaging my whole person um, through uh, the scripture. So, I don't know, we have some more questions. Great. This is burning in their hearts. Was that a passionate burning <laughs> or an angry burning? Uh, it seems like it's a positive, that's a positive burning. Uh, and I, and I, I think that that's what they're, they're getting at. There, there's something more going on than just an intellectual Bible study that it's, it's moving from engaging their, their whole person, their emotions, their mind, their will, uh, and, and that's where you're, you're getting at literally encountering Jesus through 
the Bible? So that's a great question, Allison. Thanks. Verse 12, Peter saw the empty tomb but didn't see Jesus. Why does verse 34 say he appeared to Simon? That's great. Um, so it, the initial experience at the tomb, uh, Peter doesn't, doesn't see him, um, but does see him later, which we know from other Gospels. So it's interesting to see how these different pieces all kind of fit together. Uh, and and what, what I think the main point is, is that these guys have to believe first based on eyewitness testimony. So before they get to see with their eyes, they get the opportunity, just like the rest of us, to believe based on the proclamation that it's happened verbally. And I think this is intentional. And the same thing's happening on the walk to Emmaus. Jesus is making them have to experience him through the sacrament and through the scripture, just like millions, billions of Christians are going to experience uh, throughout the history of the church. So it's very intentional the way that Jesus is carrying out, as always, um, you know, his, his resurrection. So, great question. Okay. All right. Well, uh, again, reach out to us if uh, you have more questions or if you want to start a conversation about what does it look like to believe in Jesus, follow Jesus. Uh, you can do that through the Facebook page or certainly you can email our office at contact at mercyhouse365.org. That's contact at mercyhouse365.org. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise that you are the God of life, that you have risen, you have risen indeed, uh, that that has proven that you have beat sin and death, uh, that not only have you proven that you can do that, but you have also given us that as your free gift. And so those of us that have received that free gift of forgiveness and grace, Lord, we respond to you with worship and praise uh, this morning and thanksgiving. Um, but, but also some who have just received for the very first time, we give you thanks and praise for that and pray that you would draw many, many, many others, Lord, to faith uh, in this very tumultuous time in our country, in our world, uh, where the things that we once thought were solid uh, are no longer solid, and uh, we need something to plant our lives on, Lord. So this morning, uh, we plant our lives on your resurrection are so grateful for that uh, to have our lives based on and we pray all these things in Jesus name let's worship